Welcome back to YesX or No Audio. Good day to you, ma'am or sir, wherever you be. Yes, welcome back to another episode of Week in Review. It is Saturday, September the 9th, at just a little after 8.30am here on the east coast of Australia. And I'm a little early. For this week's episode, because the weekend ahead is looking rather crammed. So, onwards, uh, on meta notes, um, it looks like Dave DeCamp took the rest of the week off <laughs> and anti war because Kyle and Connor and Thomas have had to fill in the gap. Uh, nonetheless, they've done a, a great job. And secondly, we have a little bit of variety in the news field this week, which is good, rather than it being dominated by an issue or two. So, onwards to anti-war. Let's run through the Ukraine-US news. Russian official says Sarmat advanced nuclear missile system on combat duty. This is back on the 3rd. Again, we're running forwards in time per section. Putin tells Erdogan Russia will rejoin Grain Deal if sanctions are eased. Eastern European NATO countries fear peace talks between Ukraine and Russia. And then Dave takes a break. <laughs> and it's over to the rest of the crew. Drone manufacturer makes bank on Ukraine war by Thomas. Report. Ukraine's growing assassination program by Connor Freeman. US pledges millions seized from Russian oligarch in latest Ukrainian aid package. Blinken announces $1 billion more for Ukraine, including depleted uranium. That's Kyle. US Intel official. Media misleading Americans about Ukraine's battlefield success. By Kyle. Zelensky speaks with Netanyahu. Requests more support from Israel. Good luck with that. Musk comes under fire for preventing Ukrainian attack on Russia. So a whole bunch of things there. Um, it's a bit of a much of a muchness, really. I mean, more money... Pledges for aid, blah, blah, blah. You know, Russia's just letting the US know they've got nukes and they're ready to roll. I mean, probably the more interesting is the um, the fact that Eastern Europe thinks that peace is a, peace is a bad idea. <laughs> it's also not terribly surprising. Moving on to Pacific slash China. Report, Taiwanese troops join US military drills in Michigan, US-Philippines conduct joint naval patrol in South China Sea, Pentagon developing AI drone swarms to deter China. This by Will Porter is interesting, uh, and that relates to uh, an excellent article by Bernard from Moon of Alabama, which comes up in the Other Voices section. And then to Africa, slash Niger and Gabon, just one article. We have France holding talks on withdrawal of, quote, certain military elements, quote, from Niger. So, interesting, that. Right? And then uh, from the BRICS Plus section, we have 
South Africa says inquiry found no evidence of arms shipments to Russia. I should mention that I've added some sort of sub-headlines for, for the anti-war pieces, for just for a little bit of frivolity. So if you enjoy reading that sort of thing. And then we have moving to NATO in the non-Ukraine-related areas. We have Western sanctions on Russia fracture G20 ahead of upcoming summit. And Poland aims to create largest army in Europe within two years. That's never been a bad idea. And to the Middle East, we have the International Atomic Energy Agency, that's a UN body, reporting, shows Iran slows its enrichment of uranium at 60%. Recall the key danger number for uranium um, enrichment is 95%. 60% is a long, long way off. And then we have Iraqi official says US, quote, offensive weapons, quote, violate terms of agreement. And this relates back to the Iraqi resolution, uh, which was essentially a get the fuck out of here to everybody, all foreign um, militaries. Uh, And it gets softened a bit for the US, which was you can't have offensive weapons and so forth. So anyway, interesting. And then uh, a bit of news on Assange. We have from uh, Dave DeCamp, Australian lawmakers to visit Washington to lobby for Julian Assange's freedom. And there's a couple of articles from Joe Laurier at Consortium News in the Other Voices section on the Assange front. And that concludes the news from Anti-War this week. In the Other Voices section, we begin with North Korea and an interview between Ray McGovern and Judge Napolitano, which was titled North Korea Kim Jong-un may meet Putin, changing the world's stage, in which McGovern lets us know that uh, the biggest news of the moment was completely omitted by the Western media, which is that Russia has provided, I think they were called Top Ol M, intercontinental hypersonic ballistic missiles (laughs) to North Korea. They discuss this, and there's another video, which I'll stuff in, which is an interview between Napolitano and uh, Alastair Crook. And I highly recommend you listen to the Alastair Crook interviews each week. There's usually one. uh, Who also comments on this, and essentially just points out that it's a... um, Sorry about that, phone's going off, damn it. Um, yeah, that this is essentially uh, an escalation game. Uh, so Crook points out that the US is uh, increasing its the military strength of its continued presence in eastern um, Syria, provoking you know that region further. Uh, obviously, the conflict in Ukraine continues with the US still funding it and so forth. And then we have the US's continued provocation of China all across uh, the Western Pacific, from South Korea all the way down through the Philippines, you know, and all the way down to Australia in the, in, in the end, really. So the two of them are sort of going, well, 
you know, A, this is alarming, and B, it's also sort of natural. Um, so Russia's quietly saying, uh, with China, I mean, there's no way that China was not consulted in this. Of course it was. So, yeah, Russia and, and Xi, are ba- sorry, yeah, Putin and Xi are basically saying to, to the US administration, you want to keep going down this route, it's going to get route, it's going to get very dangerous. Here's an example of where it goes. Be careful. So that's very alarming in my view. And so henceforth in the article I put out this week, there's the interview um, between Regis Tremblay and Cozen and Rita, which is a really good thing. So well done, the few of you that followed up by looking at that. So moving on, we have uh, to the Ukraine, Russia, US, NATO uh, thing. We've got a few fun articles. There's a couple here from Andre Martinov, who I, I quite like his writing style, to be honest. You know, just sort of flinging shit at the wall. It's good. So the first is they confabulate, and the next is The Economist. Uh, so they're both a, a, a good read, short and sharp and to the point. And then I included the one from uh, Larry Johnson just because I'm sure he's got a, an editor uh, who's got away with words in the headlines, and this one's great. Egads! Blinken and many Western pundits still chugging the Ukraine Kool-Aid. Like, good job, whoever's writing these headlines. I like it. Uh, and then a really deep dive from John Helmer, as you would expect, on the whole Prigozhin background. So the title is Prigozhin's Three Strikes, Khodorkovsky Business, Berezovsky Politics, The Last Africa Trip. And this thing is packed with references and analysis. So if you want to understand the details of what went down um, with Prigozhin and his stupid um, coup attempt and the response to it, read this. It's got all the details. And then we move on to uh, the interview between uh, Napolitano and um, McGregor about, you know, how the the conflict in Ukraine is, you know, shifting the world stage is, is the title, which is pretty good. And then we move on to Pacific slash China. And this is the article I mentioned earlier from Bernard at Moon of Alabama. How sanctions failed to hinder China's development. It's a very interesting uh, article. And then uh, on the um, Africa, Niger, Gambon, uh, Gabon front, we have No Respite for Ch- for France as New Africa Rises by the inimitable Pepe Escobar. And then on the BRICS Plus uh, front, we have G20, Last Waltz in a World Torn Apart. And that is by M.K. Badrakumar. On the Assange front, we have What's behind talk of a possible plea deal for Assange and Aussie MPs headed to Washington to lobby for Assange, both by Joe Laurier at Consortium News. In the other grab bag, we've got a couple on nuclear war. So the first is me reflagging the importance of that uh, discussion between Tremblay, Cozen and Ritter. Uh, and then a really timely and excellent uh, piece of work by Caitlin Johnstone, 
revisiting John Pilger's 2016 warnings about US warmongering against Russia and China. So an excellent piece of work by her, and I've clubbed them together under the subtopic of nuclear war. We then have uh, an excerpt from an upcoming book by Patrick Lawrence entitled Bad Faith, blank checks, and that's a review of the complete failure of Western journalism, uh, which is what the book's about. So I stuck that under the title of Journalism or Lack Thereof. And then there's something I haven't watched this yet, but I threw it in because it looks very interesting, and I'm well aware that quite a few of my listeners are from the US. And this is a discussion slash debate slash, I don't know, there might be a bit of angry rhetoric involved too, uh, between Jimmy Dore and Cornell West. And so the title is Jimmy Dore and Cornell West Get Into Heated Discussion on Campaign Messaging. Uh, and this is obviously from Jimmy Dore, uh, his channel, and it's republished at Shearpost. So I include both the link uh, to the reposting and the video. Lastly, under the title of 9-11 Anniversaries, we have Chile, 50 years. Had there been no coup in 1973? Implied question mark by Vijay Prashad, republished at Consortium News, but of course from the Tricontinental Institute for Social Research. And so there are two issues which I wish to extend, and they are the nuclear war front and the 9-11 thing. But before I do so, I just want to throw a hat tip to Napolitano and the crew that he's got behind him doing Judging Freedom. I think that he's doing a fantastic job. Uh, he's obviously capable of doing interviews, you know, being a judge. Um, but he's got a great set of people behind him offering really interesting analyses. Uh, so if you... I, so I watch yeah, 60% of the things that he publishes that include a guest, essentially. Uh, so I encourage you to do so. He's trying to build up to something like 200,000 subscribers on YouTube, you know, which is good, you know, for him and his channel and so forth. And if you're interested in doing that sort of thing, I reckon that's a, that's a pretty good subscription to, to place. I don't do that because I don't believe in it. Um, but anyway, you do you, but I do think he's doing a great job. So the nuclear war North Korea thing, uh, as I mentioned in the article that I put out, I don't think there's very much chance at all that North Korea will be able to arm these topple M ICBMs with nuclear weapons. I'm sure that, well, as sure as I can be, uh, that there's no way that Putin would allow this. But the point is that nobody's certain that that uh, North Korea cannot, and that's enough. This is the threat. So it's a, a nasty escalation, and the problem that that I have is that I've been listening to people far more knowledgeable about these things than I, and trying not to look at this issue because it scares the fucking crap out of me. I lived through this stuff as a kid in the 80s, when we got an awful lot of really emotionally 
well, propaganda in a sense, but very emotionally uh, rich uh, information about the threat of nuclear war. So I lived through that, and it's starting to bubble up again um, for me as I listen to people like Cozen. So I'm alarmed about this, and I don't think that the uh, North Korean... uh, ICBM thing is a, a big threat, but it just adds to the background problem. Too much stuff, too much activity, too much threat. Shit goes wrong by accident when this occurs, and we saw that numerous times during the Cold War, and we are damn lucky that no nuclear war was begun, and it was because of the bravery of uh, middle-level officers who just refused to be provoked or act on poor information. They executed pause. They understood the consequences of their action if they did what what was implied that they should, and they didn't. And we are very lucky for this. And we're heading into very similar territory and it scares the crap out of me. So, leaving that heavy topic behind, let's go to the 9-11 anniversaries. So the first, of course, is from 1973, which everybody knows was a completely US-controlled coup against the elected left-wing um, Chilean leader of Salvador Allende, uh, which led to the uh, military junta by whatever his name was, uh, Pinochet, uh, which was a repressive nightmare in which well in excess in the tens of thousands of people were just disappeared, meaning murdered and buried in God knows where. So that's your first 9-11 uh, anniversary. And it's a good one to go into because it's very well documented um, and it's just a textbook example of the US doing the Monroe Doctrine in their backyard as they see the Western Hemisphere. On the other 9-11 anniversary, which will occur this Monday, that will be, let me see, 2001, it'll be 22nd anniversary. And in my recent article on striving for the, the, for the achievable, I advise people who are trying to, you know, find people to talk to or, you know, converts to alternate approaches to history, that this is a topic you should steer very clear of because it's really provocative um, if you're trying to, to do that for sort of new converts. But I presume if you've been around here for a while, you've passed that phase... And you sort of realise that most of the history that you've been offered is on a spectrum between um, poorly informed to uh, completely wrong to deliberate manipulation. Where it sits in there, you know, you sort of work it out as you go. And each case has its own position. But I do believe that 9-11 is an important event to understand because it is the event that gives the... Uh, not legitimacy, but it gives the impetus that the neocons, the PNAC founders wanted to be able to do what they could 
with the, the hegemony that the US possessed. And we see what has happened to the world in those, these last uh, 22 years, and it's been a fucking disaster. So I think it's worth understanding that the narratives around uh, 9-11 are complete hogwash. It doesn't... Everyone was emotionally shocked as crap, and they fell for it all. It's a classic example of um, a problem-reaction-solution, right? So the, the big event happens and they go, oh, that was, you know, this, is, this is the problem and here's our solution for it and off they run while everyone's in complete emotional shock. And the point I make repeatedly is that groups well sort of emblematically represented by um, architects and engineers for 9-11 Truth who basically went, oi, this was a crime in New York. You know, three buildings got destroyed by two airplanes. Work that one out. And it was never treated properly as a crime scene. I.e. evidence was destroyed left, right and centre. They stacked it all onto barges and shipped it off to China, of all places, for recycling. Right? So there are many, many, you know, good questions that can be asked. And I am certain that the planes had nothing whatsoever to do with the destruction of any of the buildings in... um, in New York, and I believe this also to be the case for what happened in uh, the Pentagon, although a plane was involved, but it had nothing to do with the destruction. So that's the conclusion that I've come to, and, you know, do your own research and so forth. And once you reach that, the tempting thing is then to wander down the, the, the line of who did it, and my position on that is don't go there. That is what... Um, that's why you have legal inquiries. You know, that's that's what they're for. Don't even bother. You can go there if you want. For me, I find it... You get into rabbit holes that I think are not terribly productive. It's better to reach the understanding that the whole thing's a fucking lie and you know that it certainly had nothing to do with some dude with a beard in a cave in Afghanistan at all, Right? It's far too advanced in terms of the, the, the amount of effort that it takes to wire buildings like that to bring them down as they were. It, it takes high-tech shit. And we know about the nanothermite due to research by the Danish chemist whose name escapes me at the moment and so forth. <coughs> so we know what, what the hell happened. We don't know that the, the nanothermite was the core thing that brought down the building, but we know it was used because there's evidence of it in the dust for independent samples, right? And uh, it was a Dr. Uh, Stephen, name escapes me, was very careful on insisting that only samples that had full um, uh, traceability of their purity, that they, you know, that the samples had never been tampered with, etc. It was very, very, very careful scientific research that they did to show this. So we know nanothermite was used, and there were only a few places in, on the planet that you could make that shit back in 2000. Right? And it wasn't made in 2001. It was made before then. Right? So it's, you know, Lawrence, Livermore National Labs and a couple of other places around the whole planet. That's the only place you can make this shit. So that points at, at um, where the, some of the explosives were made, but doesn't tell you who put them there. Right? As I said, it's like leave that to, to courts. That's what they're quite good at. 
you know, digging through shit and subpoena powers and da 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 da. And that's why I think that architects and engineers for 9-11 Truth and groups like them that have been calling for this legal inquiry is the right approach. That if you're interested in getting to the bottom of this, even so late in the, in the day, that's the right way to go. So please, um, if you're interested in, in the whole 9-11 thing, which will go off all on Monday, there's my take on it and um, do your own research. And, and have fun with it, like like unload the heaviness out of it as much as you can and actually enjoy it. It's a really interesting deep dive. Stay away from people who get very emotional about it. It's not helpful. Right? And, and have your own deep dive, come to your own understanding and, you know, good luck with that. And with that, I wish you a very pleasant week to come. Until next time. Mm-hmm.